Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by a wonderful company, Creation to Revelation. This group of Christians believe it is extremely important that we teach the Word of God to our kids. They have original graphic illustrations from the beginning of the Bible to the end, featuring the beautiful and consistent presence of Jesus throughout. You can explore all of that at creationtorevelation.com. I'm so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, let me begin by welcoming you to today's study, which I think is probably a fair description. It's not all that often that episodes are based on Bible stories where we will actually read that story, but that is the plan today. A couple of years ago, I made a pretty intentional decision to separate the Sunday sermon topics from the Monday podcast content. But occasionally, I will share something with you in an episode, and it lead to more Bible study and turn into a sermon. And then on occasions like today, I build out something that is purely for preaching— And then a week or two passes, and it is still on my mind. It's leaving a permanent imprint on the way that I think, and I just feel like I have to share it with you. Today, I'm talking about the story from Genesis 32, where Jacob had a literal all-night wrestling match with God. You might say it was a messenger of God, an angel of God, but even Jacob said at the end, I have seen God face to face and lived. I don't even know how many times I've read that story, but I do know that I've been preaching for one half of my life, and about once a year, I try to go back and find out what was God doing there and why is it important for me. And for something like 20 years straight, I struck out, until just recently. I read through this, and it was like it all just started to fall into place. What were the circumstances of Jacob's life? How was God helping him. In what way was Jacob changed in that event, in addition to having his name changed as a result of it? And then I wondered things like, do I wrestle with God? Do you? Is that a good thing? Have I been seeing that as a good thing? And I think most important for today in this episode, can I get a better understanding of how God is working on me in this life for my good and to help me grow through a method that is more like hands-on wrestling with him, where I have to hold on tight to get to the blessing, than the more traditional idea of I go to him and I'm tired and in need and he just makes it all okay. And while sometimes God does exactly that, maybe that's not what he's doing in your life right now. He's answering your prayers, but if you're looking just for simple peace and ease— you might be missing the fact that he is already answering you through engagement as he's pushing and pulling and challenging and changing you so that you can receive a blessing. So I want to get to all of that at the end, things that are specific to your life and circumstances. But before that, the best thing we can do is go back to Genesis and read this story and try to understand what God was doing in that place and time And as we do that together, I kind of feel like the way God is working in your life will become evident to you automatically along the way. Okay, so I don't want to give you a ton of context here, except to say that Jacob is traveling back south to meet his brother Esau. Jacob has been north for 20 years. 
He has a family, a large family. God has sent him back home again, and he's scared because you might remember that he had defrauded his brother and fled. So Jacob settles into a tent by himself, likely praying to God for help. And here is what happens. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he was wrestling with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore to this day the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. So there you have it, the story of Jacob wrestling with an angel of the Lord. The next chapter begins on the following day with Jacob limping over to Esau and bowing down before him, and everything went wonderfully between them after that. All right, I want to share with you about a half a dozen observations from this story. I will go ahead and put all of these in the show notes, six observations from the story, and then four applications for your life. Number one, Jacob is a flawed but faithful man. Jacob was not perfect. We know what he had done by deceiving his father 20 years earlier, but Jacob was a man of God. He had obeyed the Lord in leaving to head back south. He had already seen angels on the journey. God was with him. And here is why that is important. When we talk about wrestling with God, we're not talking about fighting against God or God fighting against you as if you are outside of his graces and he is punishing you or hurting you. The wrestling in this text was between God and one of his children. The wrestling was for the man's good because God was in a relationship with him and sought to help him. So I hope that helps you lean in on this topic a little bit. God may be wrestling with you. You may be actively engaged with him in a pushing and pulling and challenging situation. It is not because he is angry with you or you have lost him. It is because he loves you and he knows this is exactly what you need. A second point, Jacob is in a stressful and uncertain situation. I mentioned that in the setup a few minutes ago. He does not know how Esau is going to receive him. He had already sent messengers ahead to visit with Esau and he said, your brother is coming and he's bringing 400 men with him. The text reveals that Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. For all he knows, his entire family could be put to death tomorrow. He is going to God, pleading for help, and God answers him with an all-night wrestling match. Maybe it was to prove he was not quite as worn out as he thought he was. I'm not sure about that, but here is something I want you to understand. God answered Jacob's cry for need in a time of great stress by engaging him in a way that would test his limits. That's probably not what Jacob wanted, but it is what he needed. 
Our third point builds upon this. God initiates this encounter for Jacob's benefit. God did not send an angel to bless Jacob by comforting him or reassuring him, though he certainly could have done that. Instead, God extends this incredible act of mercy, of engaging one-on-one the universe creator with one of his mortal children. Some say that this was a messenger of God. Hosea seems to call it an angel of the Lord, but Jacob considers it an interaction with God himself. I think it's actually quite amazing that God limited his power enough so that he could wrestle all night with Jacob. If God had appeared with even 1% of his full power, Jacob would have been defeated instantly. God is mercifully limiting himself so that this can happen, which can already help us see the grace of this moment. When I was preaching on this, I mentioned a father of a newborn and how the father will stick out his pinky and the child will wrap his fist around that pinky and they'll start pulling and pushing back and forth. And it's a special connection between the father and his child and it's developing some needed motor function in the child. The father completely limits his own power because this interaction is important and valuable. Number four, and very important, Jacob does not try to escape but holds on until God blesses him. I would imagine that Jacob had at least three options when he realized that God had come to wrestle with him. One is he could have just laid down. I cannot do this. I'm not running away from you, God, but I do not have the strength in me to engage in this with you. Or I guess a second option is he could have just run away. I can't handle this. It's not what I was expecting. And I simply don't have the will to do this. But instead, Jacob held on tight. All throughout the night, as the dawn was coming, the angel reached down to dislocate his hip, and Jacob still would not let go. At a point of total exhaustion, as the book of Hosea in chapter 12 references it, a point where he is completely humbled and weeping, Jacob is looking at God saying, whatever you're doing, I will not let you go until it has been accomplished. I must be blessed by you. And it was that kind of courage, all in full surrender, that triggered the blessings of the Lord. A fifth point in this story is that God concedes defeat to Jacob in a moment of grace and transformation. The text actually says that Jacob won the wrestling match dislocated hip and all. His name is changed from a word that means to supplant, like he had done with his brother, to a word that means to strive with God. In a moment of grace, God lets him win because Jacob is changed by this and God is pleased. God is like a dad who lets his 12-year-old win at arm wrestling because he just wouldn't give up and was giving it all that he had. The child is relieved and elated, and so is the father. And then one last point to this story, and then we'll get to some things that apply directly to you. Jacob proceeds from the encounter physically worse, but spiritually better. It's interesting to think of the whole event. He knows there's a chance he might have to fight with Esau to save his family. But he is terrified because he knows he will probably lose. But by the time the day comes, he had gotten no sleep, He was completely worn out, and God left him with a dislocated hip. And yet, his faith was strong. He knew that God was with him, that God was working on him, 
and would be working for him. I often wonder if that hurting hip triggered Jacob to bow down before his brother Esau, which ended up making a massive difference in that encounter. So that's the story. Let me read through the six things again, except this time I want you to think about what it might mean for you. Jacob is a flawed but faithful man. Jacob is in a stressful and uncertain situation. God initiates this encounter for Jacob's benefit. Jacob does not try to escape, but holds on until God blesses him. God concedes defeat to Jacob in a moment of grace and transformation. Jacob proceeds from the encounter physically worse, but spiritually better. Okay, if you think you've got it figured out, you can stop the episode now and just go out this week and be awesome in the name of the Lord. But if you'd like a little help, let me share with you four thoughts here at the end. Number one, God seeks to challenge and to engage his children. God is into pulling and pushing and engaging and challenging you to bring about good results. It doesn't mean he's angry with you, but it does mean he has work to do. Maybe it's scripture that you're reading that is stinging, that is pushing, that is almost hurting you to read. Maybe it's faith that's growing in your heart, challenging you to make changes that you really don't want to make. Maybe it's circumstances in your life where you're wondering, where are you, God? And God is saying, I am here. This is a part of what I am doing. And that makes me think of James 1 and how we count it all joy when we face various trials. Maybe it's people in your life, agents of God, leaning on you, uncomfortably pushing you to do what is right. Instead of saying, God, make it easy, make it all go away, make it better, maybe you need to tell yourself, I may not need an easy way, and maybe an easy way wouldn't change me or help me grow. I need to wrestle with this, to wrestle with God. Number two, God will often engage you in times of anxiety and fear, times when you are going to him saying, God, I don't have any more strength and I don't know what to do. When you do that, you want him to make everything okay, and that's probably what he wants also. But maybe first he needs to show you what you're capable of under his watchful eye in a very hands-on approach. I think about Philippians 4, where it talks about when you're anxious, you pray with thanksgiving, and the Lord provides peace. But in that text, it also talks about the need for you to choose to focus on the right things and to practice the things that are good. Practice involves training and discipline. Peace often comes as a result of those things, and maybe God is getting involved to make them happen. Maybe it's a trial that's gone on longer than you prayed that it would. Maybe it's a path that you've taken that doesn't have any rest spots, but is strengthening your walk. Again, maybe it's truth, tough Bible truth about full surrender, complete humility, and utter dependency on the glories of God. It's like you're down in a dark pit and you're scared and you need God to lift you out, but he comes down into the bottom of the pit with you and says, I know you can do this and I'm here to help. So sometimes this is just about a better attitude towards our trials and defaulting to the position of, I am a child of God and God is here instead of quickly embracing the idea that God is far from me or standing against me. 
Number three, God rewards those who will not let go no matter what. You know, sometimes God holds me, hugs me warmly, and I'm not letting go. Sometimes he holds my hand, leading me and directing me on a path I'm already taking, and I'm not letting go. But other times, we wrestle. He makes me battle and strive and push and change and be humbled. It's hard, but I am not letting go. I was thinking of a passage in Hebrews 6 where it said, God is convinced of better things for you in your life. And I believe that's true for you and me. But in the two chapters previous to that, the author had to uh, rake them over the coals a little bit. He had to say, look, we need to address your weaknesses. Be honest about them. Put attention toward them and work on shoring that up so that God can be glorified. I'm sure you face times that are very difficult. And while you may know God is there, you do not fully know what he is doing. God is asking you to trust him and to not let go. Don't lay down. Don't run away. Stay engaged. And then lastly, God may send you out weaker in flesh, but strong in faith. Jacob was exhausted and limped out of that tent, but he was exactly the man God needed him to be. And what followed was the hand of God bringing blessings into Jacob's life that he could not have accomplished on his own. This reminds me of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, where he appealed to God three times to take away the thorn of his flesh. But then he realized, I need this thorn to keep from exalting myself. God's grace is sufficient for me, for his power is perfected in my weakness. So when I am weak in flesh, I am strong in Christ. You and I pray for better health. We would like longer lives. We see our path being better if we feel better. But just be ready because God may have you wrestle with even that and have it never change. And I mean, in the end, physically, this is all going one direction anyway. But instead, he's using all of that to create in you something of greater value, a humble heart that completely trusts in him and walks the rest of this life under whatever circumstances, maybe even with a dislocated hip and a limp to go with it, but strong in faith, protected by the Lord, and a constant recipient of his blessings. Because he has tested you, challenged you, wrestled with you, and by his grace, you have been transformed and prevailed. So look, we're going to do something today I don't think I've done in three and a half years. I'm going to add a little bit of extra time to this episode, because firstly, I want to recap for you these four ideas. One, God seeks to challenge and engage his children. Two, God will often engage you in times of anxiety and fear. Three, God rewards those who will not let go no matter what. And four, God may send you out weaker in flesh, but strong in faith. And then I'd like to finish with a prayer. I will use the I pronouns in addressing God, but if you're willing, consider the I here to be you. Great God, I want you to shape and mold and train me. I accept whatever you choose to do to help me build courage and to walk humbly before you. I trust you, and I will never let you go no matter where you pull me, push me, or take me. I will live by your promises with a humble and faithful spirit, no matter what happens in the flesh. I don't need life to be easy, 
but I do need you. And I welcome your arms to hold me, lead me, and when needed, wrestle with my will. I will look at life's challenges as an opportunity and be grateful that you are with me. Come what may, I will hold on to you until you give me a blessing, and then I will walk transformed. In Jesus' name do I make this appeal. Amen. If you're like me, then that prayer was probably a little scary, but it is also an open-arm welcoming for God to be active in my life. I'm sure He is already active in yours. Look for Him. Rejoice in His presence. And if it be His will, yearn for that incredible blessing that comes from wrestling with God. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today, in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.